You may be seated. What a blessing to be here. Wow. I love this church. I love your pastors. And um, I'm excited about tonight. I'm going to be sharing tonight a message. It's interesting that you guys are preparing to pray and talk about vision. And the title of my message tonight is the, the prayer that changes everything out of Second Kings chapter 6. The prayer that changes everything. There's a lot of prayers that change us, but there's one prayer that changes everything. And that was when the servant was um, asking Elisha about the people that are surrounding them. They came to either arrest or kill them. And he prayed a simple prayer. He said, open his eyes so that he may see. And there's one thing that when you see vision... But there's, there's something that's so key. And as I'm going to share with you tonight, four ways that vision comes in your life. A lot of people preach about vision, but I've never heard anyone talk about really how vision comes. And I'm, I'm sure there have people that have talked about it. But tonight I'm going to talk about how vision comes. Four ways that vision, God will bring vision in your life. And it's such a, a key message. You see, because the Bible says if you can see it... <laughs> You can believe it. God's going to bring it to pass. And so what you see is so important. And anything that distorts your vision is going to impair your mobility. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. And I'm looking forward to it. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to open it to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. And if you would stand one more time for the reading of God's word. Thank you, church, pastor. Um, Pastor Brenda, Pastor Mark, and, and the wonderful staff here. You guys have sent young people to our camps. Every summer we have two camps, 500 students a week. And we have Easter camp uh, also on top of that. And we're looking at right now moving to a fall camp because so many students are coming. I literally, we, we probably turned close to 200 students away at summer camp because they only allow us 500 uh, at the Springs and Richardson, uh, there in uh, Chico, Richardson Springs. But thank you for every year. You guys send students, and uh, they come back rocked. And I just look at the students this morning, and thank you so much, you guys, for being a camp and being a part of the ministry. We feel so joined, and you guys have scholarshiped. Oh, man, so many, so many students. Thank you so much, Pastor. really means a lot. First Timothy chapter 6. I want to get right into the word. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession the presence of many witnesses. And I, I want to speak to you this morning on faith that fights. The, the question the Holy Spirit asked me a, a few weeks ago, are you fighting for faith or is your faith fighting for you? Faith that fights. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I mean, no, if I hadn't prayed before I got here, there's no use me praying some long prayer to impress you. I mean, it's pretty amazing to come to this church, of all, first of all, and even talk about faith, because it's almost like, you know, me uh, <clears throat> following Elizabeth Taylor's next husband after seven. There was a tough act to follow. Because <laughs> you guys hear so much about faith. Are you fighting for faith? Is your faith fighting for you? Hebrews 11, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the Moffat translation says, Now 
Faith means that we're confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. God puts no limitations on faith, and faith puts no limitations on God. First Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. And 2 Timothy 4.7, Paul said, I fought the good fight. Paul didn't say fight the good fight of Paul. He didn't say fight the good fight of Timothy. He didn't say fight the good fight of Peter. He said fight the good fight of faith. If he'd have said it was uh, fight the good fight of Peter, it would have been Peter's fight. He said fight the good fight of Paul. It would have been Paul's fight. But he said fight the good fight of faith. Now we speak of faith as a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. We speak of it as a gift of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. But here in 1 Timothy 6.12, the essence of this scripture is my faith is what fights for me. Fight the good fight of faith, which means ultimately that it's faith's fight. How many know we need faith to fight for us in this hour? In which we're Life has no questions that faith cannot answer. What is it in this hour, dilemma, despair, that's going to fight to keep you intact as a Christian? It's faith. What is it's going to rise up a mighty pillar of truth against the onslaught of the enemy? It's faith. What is it's going to punch holes in this present darkness that we're living in? It's faith. What is it's going to fuel our vision for revival here in the East Bay? It's faith. It's not the politician, the economist, the philosopher, the professor, the so-called theologian, or the secular humanist that's going to give us answers in this hour. The thing that's going to keep us in this crisis hour in which we're living is faith in God, faith in His Word. Faith. The Bible says, the just shall live by explanation. The, the Bible says, the just shall live by opinion. Now it says, the just shall live by faith. Faith has never lost a battle. Ask Moses, Joshua, David, Enoch, by faith Abel, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses. Faith has never lost a battle. By faith, Noah rode a storm into a rainbow. By faith, Abraham and Sarah birthed a promise into a people. By faith, Moses made a rolling sea, a traveling surface. By faith, Rahab was transformed from a prostitute to a princess. By faith, Gideon went from a coward to a commander. By faith. Now, you, you got to realize that when you read Hebrews 11, we talk about faith, but there's also difference between faith and a miracle. What are you talking about, Donnie? Well, a miracle would have put out the fiery furnace for the three Hebrew children instantly. But faith kept them in it while it burned. See, a miracle, thank God for miracles. We pray miracles are instant. Thank God when miracles come. We love them. A miracle would have killed the lions in Daniel's den. But faith kept him safe as he walked among the lions. You don't learn faith by the lecture method. You learn it in the laboratory of life. 
And God is not as interested in the impartation of faith as he is in the development of faith. And he knows that faith develops best when it's against something. How many know, you go into the weight room, you don't get strong by looking at the weights. <laughs> Remember they used to actually have weight rooms where actually weights now, they're all machines. I travel a lot and I go in, you know, and work out in a gym, wherever I'm at. They, it's crazy. They got these stairs that you climb that you never get to the top. <laughs> you, you ride bikes that go nowhere. Uh, machines. You got to read. You try to read what's on, what that machine is before you ever get on. You don't know. There's one that only ladies use it. And it, it, they sit down and they're like, don't, you never see a guy on that machine. <laughs> if you ever see a guy on that machine or near that machine, he's like, he's creepy. He's creepy. Don't. <laughs> Free, man. You got to. You got to have that free weight. Everybody say push. When, when you get under that weight and you begin to push, muscles start, it starts firing and blood starts flowing to those areas. And, and all of a sudden you start using strength and developing strength. Faith is ambition. It's never satisfied to be small. If you want to keep it, you got to use it. And sometimes you'll talk about the facts of faith. Other times you'll talk about the acts of faith. It's not enough to talk about the facts if you don't have the acts. Faith fights. What is faith fight, darling? Number one, faith fights fear. Second Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and a sound mind. My daughter, Brookie, now is 23. When she was um, three years old, she would battle with fear. And I would go into her room at night, and I would kneel down next to her bed, and I would just pray with her. And one night I looked at her and said, Brookie, I said, you can win this fear fight. I said, you can win. I said, I want to give you a scripture and daddy's going to say it over and over with you until you memorize it. And so I, I was kneeling next to her bed and I said, now say after me, for God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. For God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. But one of love, power and a sound mind. But one of love, power and a sound mind. Brookie, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But one of love, power, and a sound mind. And I would say it over and over with her. And I said, now, when you feel that fear come on you, that devil comes in here with fear, you just speak that out of your mouth. She said, yes, sir, daddy. Yes, sir. So I left the room and I was standing outside the, the doorway and, and I could lean in here. And after about two or three minutes, I heard, devil. Oh, devil. God haven't given me a, sp- a fear. But one of love, power, and sound mind. You get in the garbage can. <laughs> Faith and fear enemies. Fear has torment. Any torment is not of God, it's of the devil. Faith is the white corpuscles of the spiritual anatomy. Anytime infection, bacteria gets in your body, your white corpuscles come surround them, smother them. If you've got active faith in your life, Anytime the bacteria of doubt, fear, or error comes, here come the white carpuscles of faith. Ta-da, ta-da, ta-da! Where are you going? Child of God has just released me. Faith fights, conquers, and destroys fear. 
The Bible says a man by the name of Joseph Arimathea, he was a secret disciple because of fear. How many know closet Christians get closet blessings? The first time he ever touched Jesus, Jesus was dead. Joseph was the one that buried him. Fear will produce a deadness to the promises of God. The women got up one morning. They knew he was dead. They knew he was in the tomb. They knew the women. The guards said, don't anybody go down there. But knowing all this, the women said, let's go anoint his body. They were the original Spice Girls. (laughs) That was for you under 30. What about the soldiers? We're going. What about the rocket crop? We're going. What about the kings? We're going. How are these things going to be moved out of the way? We're going. And when they got there, Jesus was alive. Because faith produces life to an apparently dead, dead situation. That's why our problem is not with dry services. The problem is with dry saints. I'm not looking at anybody right now. See, faith fights fear. The second thing fights is feelings. You can't always depend on your feelings. If the devil finds out you live by your feelings all the time, he'll keep you as nervous as a termite in a yo-yo. <laughs> feelings change. And the divine purpose of recovery, you can't walk by your feelings. The girl came to me, well, do I, I, don't, I don't feel, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I don't feel like serving God. I, I don't, it's hard. It's hard being single. I said, it's hard being married. It's hard being a dog. It's hard being a cat. It's hard being a parakeet. Life is hard. Get over it. People, well, Donnie, you don't understand. I come from a dysfunctional family. All our families are jacked up. We all got, we all got, got, man, I just went back to Virginia, man, up in the mountains. My family, mountain people. Not Okies, we're talking straight up hillbillies. I mean, I, I love my family, but my uncle died. And my uncle died, and they cremated him. And so my cousin got mad at his stepmom and stole Uncle Leonard. He had him put him in the trunk of the car and he's driving out of town. We had to call the police to get Uncle Leonard so I could do the funeral. Then I... I went up, I went up to the bar to get my cousin because he didn't want to go to the funeral and he's a bouncer in this bar. And so I went up to him, the preacher, I'm up at the bar trying to get my cousin. I said, you need to come. But this bar was crazy. It was tough. It was so rough. They frisk you when you go in. If you don't have a weapon, they give you one. That's how. (laughs) It was a tough bar. And then my relatives, man, at the funeral, they had this tray, like, and they were passing out all, it looked like um, all kinds of drugs. That's, but it looked, it reminded me of like, you know, mints. They were passing drugs out like they're complimentary mints. Here, would you like one? I go, no, I'm, I'm fine. They had a, all these pills on a tray. And my aunt was walking around, I go, would you like one? I go, I'm good. <laughs> Feelings can't walk by your feelings (laughs) feelings are like a sailboat they go the way the wind goes faith is like a steamboat it goes where the captain says 
How do you think Noah felt? He had never been on a boat in his life, and God said, build one. We're not talking a kayak. We're not talking about a little canoe. <laughs> he didn't live next to the water. <laughs> There's no beach in sight. Build an ark 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high with one window. Can you imagine? <laughs> Two of every animal on the face of the earth. One window? How I many know there's some people fighting for window time? Just want to get a little fresh air? I, I guarantee you, time out? You tell your kid, you're going to be with the hippopotamuses again today. You, I, they listen. How do you feel, Noah? What was fighting his feeling? Can you imagine when he is building this huge ark with his boys after about 25 years, one of his kids, because people are laughing at him, turns to him and says, hey, dad, could you tell us one more time what God said? <laughs> the Bible says in Genesis 7, 5, and Noah did all the Lord commanded him. I'll stay on board as long as I keep doing what he called me to do, because sometimes you're not going to feel like certain God. Sometimes you're not going to feel but God says we walk by faith. Job, how do you feel? The Bible calls him a righteous man. Everything went wrong. His children were killed. Fire fell on the sheep. Chaldeans carried off his camels. And his friends came. And they sat for seven days and just stared at him. And finally, one friend, he says, speaks up. You're a hypocrite. Second friend, you've got hidden sin in your life. Third friend, you failed God somewhere. Fourth friend, you're a sinner and a hypocrite. For 18 chapters. Where's Job's pastor? No Bible. He was sitting in a city dump, scratching himself with a broken piece of pottery. Can't you hear him? Shut up. I've listened to you guys for 18 chapters. <laughs> I don't know why my wife has done what she has done and backslid and told me to curse God. I don't know where my children have gone. But there's one thing that I do know. That my Redeemer lives. When it's all said and done, he's going to stand on the earth. God can transform the afflictions of life into a ladder that you can climb to heaven on. Because faith fights fear. Faith fights feelings. And thirdly, faith fights facts. Not only facts and figures don't lie, but faith can overcome them. Work in spite of them. Neutralize them. Only faith in God can take Goliath's sword, sent to destroy you, and cut his head off with it. I got saved on the college campus there in Stockton. I grew up here in Hayward. I went to Chabot College, played football, got a scholarship, went to UOP, got saved there in, in college. I was taking steroids and I overdosed on them. There's something about the chemicals in my brain and steroids that don't mix. I got very sick. And I came to Christ there in uh, college. And after we were married, the doctors told Cindy and I we would never have children because of the steroid use. Um, they just said, you're not going to have children after coming to Christ and, and, and getting into the words and, and believing God, I, I just stood. I said, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna conceive. We're going to have a child. One year, two years, three years, four years pass. No children. Five years, six years. No children. Still believing. God had put it in me. God had put it in me. We looked into adoption. I was certainly open to that. I believe in adoption. But there was something in me. Eight years had passed. Cindy would, in the morning... Wake up with a dry pillow, but many nights my pillow was wet with tears where I interceded in the night and prayed, stood in faith, believing. And then Cindy looked at me one day. She said, I'm late. 
And she weren't talking about being late for work. She was late. And um, she said, I want you to go get a home pregnancy test. Now, back in the day, I didn't even know what a home pregnancy test was. And I don't know why, but when you go to the store to uh, get something like that, there's always a woman working. <laughs> my mom would send me to get those feminine products when I was a little boy for my sister and her. And, you know, you walk in, it's just, I want two of those. It's just really hard when you're just a boy and you... So I, I'm, I'm over at the store. I, I'm buying a home pregnancy test. And the lady, so sweet, is back there telling me about them and, and how they work. And I just want to get one, get out. So I grab one and I get to the front and I'm hoping no one there in Stockton sees me. And I'm looking around and I put it on the counter and what I feared came upon me. The guy that was checking me out, the clerk, he pulls the mic down. Price check number nine, home price. No! I grabbed the microphone. Don't do that. Don't do that. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll pay. I'll pay $30 right now for this thing. I, so I got it home and I gave it to Cindy. I said, here, Cindy, take it. She goes, you can't take it till morning. Man, I'm all night just laying there in bed with my eyes. Oh, take it, take it, take it. No, I can't take it in the morning. Come on, take it. Waited all night. She took it. Next morning, came out. She goes, I, I'm kind of pregnant. I said, what do you mean you're kind of pregnant? Give me kind of pregnant. She goes, uh, would you go back and get another one? I said, yeah. I said, I will. I said, you got to come with me, though. So she goes with me. So we, we, we're at the store. We walk in, and uh, there was a magazine rack. And she said, Donnie, I'm just going to stand here next to the magazine rack. You go get it. I said, what are you talking about? She said, um, I shop here. She said, they know me. I said, I was here yesterday buying one. They know me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, guys. I don't care how many conferences you go to, how many books you read. We'll never figure women out. Totally. We never will. I'm going to tell you why. God made them while we're asleep. Adam, <laughs> Adam went to sleep single, woke up married. If you're here and you're a single guy, don't go to sleep when God's working. You don't know what's going to happen. You better stay alert. You better stay awake. Man, I got that home pregnancy test home. She took it the next day and she said, Donnie, she said, it looks like I'm pregnant. And I said, oh, awesome. And, and, and then she took a blood test and man, she was pregnant and I was so fired up. I was like, yeah, we have a baby. So man, I... I got the Lamaze books, and I got Bradley, and I started studying. I, I was going to know everything about pregnancy, and, and I was going to be in that room, and I was going to coach her in that delivery room. I, I went and got my hat, my, my whistle, my clipboard. I was Coach Donnie. I was studying. I was so ready. But when you get in that delivery room, God. Every man for themselves. My little five foot four brunette wife, man, she changed. Those contractions came and she just like looked at me and I'm like, focus. I was, I was doing all the terms. I had, I knew the breathing down. There's feather breathing. When you drop a, you pretend a feather drops in the ceiling and you go, and you push the feather up and then there's focus breathing. I, I, I had them all down. But when that contraction and, and I, I ran over and I got some crushed ice because I read where you take crushed ice and you put it on her lips. So I put some on her lips and, and she spit it at me. I, I put on some soft music. She goes, turn it off. I turned the music off. 
I didn't know what to do. I went over and I started rubbing her back. She goes, don't touch me. I thought, man, you keep this up. You're going to lose a good coach. I'm going to leave. She just looked at me one time. She goes, look what you've done to me. And those contractions start coming faster. And I go, breathe, breathe, focus with me right now. Let's breathe. Let's get through this contraction. So she looks at me and we got through it. Next contraction came. Got through it. And they started coming faster. They were just coming fast. And I was, and my fingers started tingling. I thought, I go, oh my God, I'm hyperventilating. I was, I was, I was holding on to the back. Breathe. Breathe. Ha, ha, ha. I go, oh my God, I'm passing out. Ha, ha. I heard the, I heard the doctor said, you can push. I said, I'm too tired. And then I, I got up in time. I woke up in time for my little girl to be born. It's so funny, you know, they hand you the scissors, you know, they, Mr. Moore, you can cut the umbilical cord. You're like, I was so nervous. I was like, oh. The doctor goes, that's my wrist. He's a very thin doctor. So I, I cut the umbilical cord and they, and they hand my little girl to me. I was like, gah, gah, gah. I was just, I was bawling, man. Oh, man. Faith fights facts. God said to Abram, I'm going to change your name. We're going to change it to Abraham. What does it mean, father of nations? Ten years go by. What's your name? Abraham. How many kids do you have? Zero. Fifteen years. Twenty years. What's your name? Abraham. What does it mean, father of nations? How many kids do you have? Zero. Twenty-five years. Hey, Abraham. How old are you? I'm a hundred. Sarah, how old are you? I'm ninety. Holden. Hey, have you two studied eighth grade biology? This doesn't look good. It's probably not going to happen. But God had promised Isaac was born. His seed became as the stars of the sky, sand of the seashore. Because faith fights facts. And when Isaac's a young man, God comes to him and he says to Abraham, take your son. You ever notice if there was a conversation possibly in the Bible in Genesis when this happened? I feel and many rabbis and theologians from the Jewish perspective have even commented on this fact that he said to him, take your son. And if there was a conversation, it probably went something like this. I have two sons. The one you love. I love both my sons. Take Isaac. Isn't it amazing how God will name things in our life that we don't want to sacrifice to him that we're holding on to? And Take your son. I have two sons. The one you love. I love both my sons. Take Isaac. He takes Isaac and he's going to Moriah, which is in the Hebrew, Mount Teach Me, three-day journey. What does he have? He has faith and he has a promise. Why is that so important? Because we want explanations for everything. God doesn't give explanations. He gives promises. Because you can't base 
your life, your faith on an explanation. Because explanations change. All he's doing, he's walking up one side of the mountain with faith and a promise. I know, we know he gets to the top, there's a ram in the thicket. But I want to tell you something, that ram didn't get to the top of that mountain instantly. That ram had to go up the mountain. And I submit for your consideration this morning that when Abraham was walking up one side of that mountain by faith, the answer was coming up the other side. But he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. And that's how it is with us. We're, we're walking in faith. We're believing. And, and sometimes you get tired walking up that mountain. And you don't see the answer. Faith fights fear. Faith fights feeling. Faith fights facts. And lastly, faith fights fatalism. Have you ever felt like quitting? Have you ever felt like giving up? I have. You ever been hit with something so hard that you question God's existence? Or have you just said, God, where are you in this? In 2008, I was training for the world bench press. I was going to break the record. I was benching well over 500 pounds. And across the counter, I didn't get it illegally, I bought some stuff from a nutritional center. I got home and I started taking this supplement. Well, it was laced with a steroid. I didn't know it. But there's something about the chemicals in my brain. I told you earlier, there's steroids that don't mix. So I, I, I couldn't sleep. I went weeks without sleeping. Never been depressed a day in my life. And what happened was, is I, I began to fall into this depression. And I, I didn't know what to do. So I went to doctors and they said, well, the serotonin is leaking out and you need to get an antidepressant. They put me on antidepressants. And what happened? I'm one of the 7% that can't take antidepressants and I got worse. Can I just be real this morning? I had thoughts of suicide. I was at the deepest, darkest place I've ever been in my life and I've served God faithfully. And I'm in the midst of something. And I'm confessing. I'm standing on the word. And one night I heard the devil as clear as he says, just curse God. You'll get better. Just, just I, You know what? I said, I'll never curse God. And God, I'm not going to lose faith in you. I was mad at God. You know the thing I love about David? When you read the song, David's like so honest. He's like, God, my enemies. He goes, why don't you just take care of them? Kill them. You know what? I am really upset right now, God. Let me just tell you how ticked off I am. And then he turns around, but you're the great, awesome God, and I love you. But David was able to pour, pour his heart out to God. And, you know, I, I learned that being raised in a certain denomination that taught me to be very religious that I wasn't raised in it but when I got saved in college is what I'm saying after being Christian for so many years that you know sometimes it's just not real and, and sometimes we're not real and I, I try all as uh, you want to ignore a lot of us we haven't come to any realization we don't want to admit that we do have some inconsistencies and uh Peter, you know, you see him in one place in the Bible, full of faith, walking on water somewhere else. You know, he's putting his foot in his mouth, saying something he shouldn't say. My frustration for the church is that we seem so obligated to be shocked at other people's weaknesses. We um, are shocked. And I wish the day would come when we'd just be real. The difference between most people who are in a scandal and us is time and they got caught. You may not be doing it anymore, but maybe you used to do it. It's amazing how God can select you to do things for which you feel unworthy. And if you're not careful, you'll look down 
at other people that are struggling with what you came out of. We are all men, women of like passion. And some of us need to stop deifying people because deifying great people distance you from the possibility of becoming one. As long as you deify them and think that they're in some special class or category where you're, you're not able to go and you'll say, well, I'm not like them. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's going to affect your ability to find your place in God. And here I am, a man of God, serving God. I'm, at this time, I'm confessing sin that I hadn't even committed. I am trying to come clean, pure before God, but yet I'm going through this. I'm going through this. And I don't know why. And, 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 and Eric Chavez, one of my spiritual sons, played for the Oakland A's. He called me up and him and another player, Adam Malhus. They said, Donnie, we want to come and see you. I said, you don't want to see me. Several months I haven't preached. I was down at George's and Pastor Mark and Pastor Brenda came over and they prayed for me, believed with me, had many friends praying for me, believing for me. And um, Eric Chavez, who uh, last year played with the Yankees, he's going to be with the Diamondbacks this year. He, he came with Adam and he looked at me and said, we're going to get you the Oakland A's doctor. So they, they took me to the Oakland A's doctor <laughs> And he looked at me. He said, I've treated this before. He said, uh, he said I'm going to help you. And it's an amazing thing how God used this man to, in prayer and, and brought this thing together. And within six weeks, I started coming out of it. And, and, and I'm saying this and telling you what I went through because the whole thing was about an eight-month ordeal. And the reason I'm saying this because somebody today is here and you're saying, well, Donnie, I feel hopeless. You ever felt like, you know, quitting and all those things? And I say to you, absolutely. Nobody knows what I'm going through, but faith does. Faith does. And some of us, we have injured faith. We, we have believed for something and, and, and it hasn't happened the way we wanted it to. And I'm saying to you, don't lose faith in God. Just because God didn't do it in your life the way he's doing in the life of somebody else doesn't mean God is irrelevant or not evident in your life. And sometimes this gets lost in the faith message because we think somehow this might be a lack of faith. Not a lack of faith. Listen to me very carefully. He's taking you a different way. It may take longer. It may be hard, more difficult. It, it may take years. But God knows where you need to be and he knows how to take you there. So don't lose faith in God because God is just. But God is not fair. What? I said, God is just, but God is not fair the way we understand fairness. We understand fairness. We say, well, fair is he did it for me this way. He's going to have to do it exactly the same way he did it for me that he did it for you. He knows that I might be able to handle what you can't handle. I might want something I can't handle. Then you lose faith in God because he didn't do it for you the way you heard he did it for someone else. He never told you he was going to do it the exact same way. He's going to do it. But he's going to do it different. I know, brother and sister, they came to church, they prayed over, and they got an inheritance, and they paid off all their bills. But you might have to make payments. <laughs> Don't lose faith in God, because he chose to take you through a process. Because that process is him working in you. You'd be surprised how many people in this room, oh, they come to church, they lift their hands, and they sing songs, but they lost faith in God. Listen, although we have the same God, he will deal with us differently. Your testimony may inspire me, but I refuse to let it frustrate me. 
And, 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 and this is where we are. And that's why I love about Pastor Mark and Pastor Brendan. Because they're real. And, and, and we've created theologies that cause people to walk away from God. And we got people, and thank God for the wonderful miracles and the manifestations and, and things that God's doing. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little more tonight. But the thing that, 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 that just drives me crazy, I was in a service, and, and I was in the back room, and we were getting ready to preach, and they had different people from different veins, and I love all the different veins in the body of Christ. When I say that, the flow of people from, from different denominations, and, and thank God, we learned something from everybody. But, but I'm in the back room, and it was almost like a contest. Like the first guy is like, you know, he's standing there, he goes, you know, I... Uh, I have a nickname for all my angels. He has angels and he has nicknames. Now, I believe we have angels. But he's talking about his nickname. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you guys. If I offend you, I'm just going to be real. I mean, come on. Next guy, you know, he's talking about his, he has his Bible, his angel feathers. Now, listen to me. I believe that angel feathers can fall. But he had little. I said, that's a little angel. I thought maybe it was a little midget angel because it was just a little feather and I, I didn't know what to say to him but i'm just looking i'm being honest i'm being real then the, then the third guy he says a prophet stuck his head through the wall and spoke to him the night before i didn't have anything it was my turn so i just made something up i i i felt i didn't even feel so it got it got to me i just i just said uh, a guy came to my meeting last week and he didn't have a head and i prayed for him and god gave him a head and And they all looked at me, you know, like, who are you? And listen, I'm 50-some years. I've been in this over 30 years. I've seen a lot. But I'm going to tell you that what, what I was trying to tell some of these young 20, 30-year-old guys. Don't get caught up in all that. No. See, the, the, the reason I'm saying this is because you, you never see anybody on Christian television says, I have 100 people in our church and we are really, you know, strong, powerful. No, it's always the biggest, the fast, the best. Listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. Because what's happened is Darwin, who travels with me, drug addict, eight and a half years. I mean a drug addict, using, abusing, alcoholic. He comes to a service where I'm preaching. He's set free instantly. One night, instantly. And when he shares his testimony, people just erupt and clap. But you know what? There's people out there that love God for 20 years and they're still battling addiction. Is God not working? Is it just their lack of faith? There's a lot of things involved and we can't just make one blanket statement and say this is your problem. Those people love God and some of you love God and you're here this morning and you're going through something. Don't lose faith in God because what happens is is when you start to lose faith in God and faith then gets diminished, then it turns on you and this is what you do then. You lose faith in yourself and you say, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. God must not love me. And we just can't dump it and say, well, it's a lack of faith on your part. Listen to me. There are people, wonderful people, that believe, that stand and we don't have all the answers on this side. And people that think they do, they're not being totally honest. I don't know why I went through what I went through. But I'm going to tell you this. On the other side of it, I'm a better dad. I, 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 I'm a better husband. I, I, I know this. 
and I read this this week, and it just, it, it knocked me off my feet. In Job 42, it, it says there, if you look at verse, I think it's verse 6, it says, and after this, Job lived 140 years. And then I flipped over to Genesis 9, 28. And it said, after the flood, Noah lived 450 years after this. Thank God for an after this. You're in process right now, but I got a word for you this morning. There's an after this. <laughs> There's an after this. You might be going through a tough time and you're holding on to your faith and you're standing and you're believing and you're trying to navigate. But the God just says, listen, there's an after this coming. You just keep holding on. You just keep believing. Because I look back on 2008. It was the toughest time, most difficult thing I've ever went through. But after this, I'm saying, God, thank you. My wife and I just celebrated our 31st wedding anniversary last week. And she wrote me the most beautiful card. And she said, Donnie, our love has deepened. All that we've been through, we've walked together. People come up to me, man. They, Donnie, Tony, you come. I'm going to wrap up here. Uh, thank you, brother. They, um, they come up to me and they're, oh, Donnie, uh, I'm faithful. Guy walked in. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. My wife, I'm faithful. I said, how long have you been married? He said, a year. I said, shut up. You don't know what faithful is. You don't know what faithful is. Girl came to me. She said, will you give me some advice? I said, how old are you? She said, 21. I said, what do you want to do? She said, I'm a life coach. I said, live life. It takes time to build a good marriage. It takes time to build a ministry. We live in this computer, iPod. I'm an 8-track guy in an iPod world, man. I'm, I'm learning, but it's crazy. Just they push a button, boom, everything's there. Instant. I was watching Bullet a couple of weeks ago with Steve McQueen. I was watching my boy. My boy's 16 now. And Steve McQueen stopped. And he jumped out of the car and he went to a phone booth and made a phone call. And my boy said, what's that? I said, it's a phone booth. I said, man, if Superman was alive today, he'd have no place to change. <laughs> Instant. At the touch. But God doesn't always operate like that. Thank God for the instant miracle. And I've seen that. And, and for those that think I'm taking on any movement, listen to me. I've had some encounters with God, even in that eight-month period. I had two. But there were days where I prayed for six hours, heard nothing. Nothing. You know, Paul said, I know a man 14 years ago in the body. Of Jesus, I don't know. He's caught up in the third heaven. And whatever that means. We have a lot of people tell you what it means. But he was caught up into the glory. Paul didn't even say it was him. He said he shared, he saw things, was shared things. He couldn't even communicate, couldn't even speak about them. 14 years ago. We can't keep a revelation 14 minutes. And, and I believe sometimes people share things and people hear them and they go, God, what's wrong with me? I'm not experiencing that to that level. 
Never a lot. And the reason I'm vulnerable with you and tell you what I went through, because I don't want my testimony to frustrate you. I want my testimony to inspire you. Because when people put things up there that are so unreal, you're going, I can't relate to that. And it breaks my heart because good people, what they do is they go, God, there's something wrong with me. And then they walk out of church. A lot of times they'll leave a good church like this one and they'll go somewhere else where they get yelled at every week and told what a nothing they are. I'm not afraid to tell you going to hell and you going to hell. I'm going to tell you that. And they go every week and they get beat up because that's what they feel like. They feel like they need to get beat up. And some folks walk out and they never go back to church at all because they say, God, I guess you don't really care about me. He cares about you. He cares about you. I'm here today to tell you, faith, it works. But some of us right now, we're going through something. But I'm going to tell you, there's an after this. After everything went wrong. The book of Job is not about a man that was sick. It's about a man that God healed. <laughs> you, know, you know what the book of Job teaches me? That faith in God is better than any answer. Because when you can't track him, you can trust him. When you can't trace him, you can trust him. And right now, if you're having trouble trusting him with your present, just look at his history. He's a faithful God. He's a good God. And it's okay to say, God, I'm struggling. It's okay to say, God, I can't figure this out. Because he understands. But when it's all said and done... I know my Redeemer. He's going to stand on the earth and he's going to bring me through this. When Paul said in Philippians 1, 6, he that began a good work in you is going to continue it to the day of Christ Jesus. He said that through prison bars. The church was being divided by false teachers. And this is what he said. He that began a good work in you is going to continue until the day of Christ Jesus. You know what that simply means? What God starts, God finishes. He's a good God. Faith, it fights You've come here today, somebody to get your fight back. That's what you come here for. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you for the service today. And Lord, as uh, we, we prepare for the next service, just going to start here in a little while. We just pause and God, we pray for people's needs. Lord, today by the Holy Spirit, those that are in financial crisis, those right now, God, that need a breakthrough and a miracle, got to lift them to you. God, those that are here today that... Lord, the word fatalism, God, is exactly where they're at in relationship. God, they're, they're in a place right now, God, where they need you. God, others are struggling with fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear, God, that there's cutbacks right now and their job is in jeopardy. Lord, those that are struggling with feelings, feelings of loneliness and feelings of depression and feelings of discouragement, God, those are all feelings that have attacked them. And Lord, we, we acknowledge that today. How many right now are battling a fear in your life right now? Come on, hold your hand up. Just, I'm not going to stand you up or call you for it. Yeah, that's just honest, folks. Just being honest. How many got some feelings right now? You're battling some discouragement or even some depression to some degree. You, you, you got some feelings of inadequacy. Yeah, hands going up. Thirdly, facts. How many need a healing? There's a fact that there's sickness in your body. But I'm going to tell you right now, 
Faith fights facts. I need a miracle from God. Yeah, yeah. Fatalism. You come in here today and you just need, you just need a faith injection. That's all right, honey. That's all right. There's nobody here. But people, people get all uptight and freaked out. If She's all right, man. The Holy Spirit's just moving on her heart, man. He's going to help you today. Holy Spirit, come. God, by your spirit, walk among us, God. Help your people, Lord. God, let faith arise in this room. And God, right now, I just feel the Holy Spirit. Could you just stand, everybody? Come on, let's just stand. I just feel the Holy Spirit right now. Let's just stand and lift our hands up. Tom, lead us in a song right now. God's doing something.